Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Everybody here is going to give an account to God for one thing, one thing, what you did with Jesus. It'll be inexcusable when we stand before God if you've rejected Jesus. If Ruth had said to Boaz, I'm good. I don't want this relationship. I don't like you. I'm not interested. She had full right to do so. It would have been foolish, but she could have done it. And she would have just lost out on all the blessing that she received. So too, you have that option. You can say, God, I don't want you. And understand, until you say yes to the Lord, what you have said to him is, I don't want you. As Pastor Bill continues going through the story of Ruth, he reminds us that Ruth chose Boaz. She had the full ability to reject him, but she didn't because she loved him. Today, Pastor Bill again compares this to our relationship with God. God loves us unconditionally. After all, he sent his only son to die for us. But we still have the full choice to not love him back. True love is enforced upon anyone. But that's how we know this is true unconditional love. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Ruth chapter 4 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Verse 12, may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore in Judah because of the offspring which the Lord will give uh, will give from this young woman. And so they're again, the community speaking blessing They're They're saying, hey, we may, looking forward to these people having babies and having offspring and children. And then look at verse 13. This is important. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And when he went into her. The Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Um, just want to point out something that some people might miss. There's an order of events here. Um, they met. Um, they decided that they were interested. Um, there was a brief courtship process. There is a marriage ceremony. Then he went into her. Everybody know what that means? Everybody, that's, that's, that's Bible for they did what married folk do. You know, they had marital relations. That's what the, when it's the Bible says he went into her, they, 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 they made a baby. And, and there's the fruit that came from it. So I just will point out, because we live in a time. Uh, we live in a time, we live in a culture where this isn't the norm. Um, our culture encourages people to, to, to test drive, uh, you know, to be involved sexually before marriage. Um, there are people that think it's laughable uh, to suggest that two people should wait until they get married to engage in sexual activity. But, um, and I'm just, you know, I'll speak with you guys first from the Bible, uh, then from just reality. The, the Bible knows only that sort of relationship as blessed of God and condoned by God. Um, that's it. If, if, if I'm a Christian, if someone's, if you guys are believers, if you're single and you say, I love the Lord, Jesus, Lord of my life, that's the relationship God's ordained. One where God's called you to relationship. You sought him about it. You pursue it in him. You enter in in him and sex begins after marriage. Um, it's not something you, you do before you get married. Um, sex before marriage. What's that called, you guys? Fornication. It's a sin. Um, says in Galatians. That anyone who practices this would not inherit the kingdom. So if that's a, a, a lifestyle that you're living, rather you go to church or not, rather you, you know, pray the prayer or not. If you live a lifestyle of habitual fornication, God says you're not going to inherit the kingdom like that. Um, that's that's not the lifestyle of the believer. Um, so for Christians, God is saying, look, I, I you know, 
I, I bless marriage. God made sex. So if sex is good because God made it good. All the pieces and parts that happen in a person's body for sex to happen, for there to be pleasure, for there to be procreation, for there, God made all that in his magnificence. He said, but I bless it in marriage. The very thing I come, he commands married couples to partake. If you're a married couple, you are commanded by God to do it regularly. First Corinthians seven, three through five. You can read it. Um, command you get do do this on a regular basis. It's a red flag if you're married and there's not ongoing sexual. That's a problem. That's not okay. So anybody here that's married, if, 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 nothing, if nothing is medically wrong, and it's not an ongoing thing, that's wrong. It's just supposed to be a normal, regular part of a marital relationship. Amen. Amen. Say it like you mean it. <laughs> All right. The men said it louder. All right. So, but um, but the very same thing. God would say outside of marriage, God would say, don't do that. It's a sin. It'll ruin you. Um, And this is what happens. Typically, people enter into physical relationship outside of marriage. They get emotionally wrapped up in something that now when you can see that this isn't good, you're too invested. I'm giving my body away. Now there's a connection that happens with sexual things. And now it's it's too hard to imagine life without this person, even though they're going upside your head. Um, to imagine life without this person, even though now you realize they're not really what you thought they were, it's like you're trapped. It's amazing how you remove sex from the, the uh, equation and you can walk away at a point. You can say, you know what, I don't like that no more. I'm gone. And, and you don't have to break down. You don't have to have a month of, of, of whatever. You just go walk. But for some people, they've entered into something. They've gone way beyond what God said they should do. And now they're trapped by their own sin. Um, It's hard to break away from. You feel married to someone you're not married to. You're acting married to someone you're not married to. And so it's keeping you in a place where you habitually sin against God for that person. That person's like your God. That's why God says don't do it. Um, Again, you take two people that are not having sex, just much greater discernment. Rather not, this is of God. There's there that element has not come in. Um, there is something uh, spiritual and physical that happens within sexual intercourse that it does bond couples together. That's why God says when you get married, do it all the time. You know, after you you guys getting on each other's nerves, then go in the bedroom, go make up. You know, and then it just bond you right back together. I love you. You know, it fix everything. God did that. He knew that that's what happens. But you, again, you take this outside of marriage, and now. You know, you be at church and God is saying, leave them, get away. This is sin. And you're like, yes, but you're all wrapped up. So for you, it'll be difficult, but you need to break away. If that's you and you're in an ongoing thing like that, know that that's just you're just just ripping your soul out. Um, Notice the order here. They they they've come together in a godly way. The courtship was godly. Nothing, nothing freaky or nasty or inappropriate has gone on up until this point. Um, the things that are attractive to Boaz about Ruth are her character. His, he said, man, everybody knows you're a virtuous woman. He's looking at her spiritual character and everything else. Everything that Ruth knows about him, same thing. He's a man of integrity. He's an upstanding man. Um, everybody recognizes him as such in this community. Um, there isn't the other aspect of the relationship yet. That'll come later. Um, but they've fallen in love with each other. They, they've not say fallen in love. They, they've come to love and care for and, 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 and genuinely like one another. God will add that cherry on top after the marriage ceremony. So, uh, so I strongly encourage all my married, all my single couples um, or single people. If you're single, you're not a couple yet. 
Um, do it God's way. Don't 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 think that you're going to do it the way everybody else is doing it and have God's blessing. Do it God's way. It'll be rare, um, but it'll be blessed of God. And so um, somebody said, well, how are you going to find somebody like that that will be willing to wait? They're, they're out there. You just present that. I'll share this. I've never in my entire life since junior high school was in a relationship with a girl that did not become sinfully sexual. Not not none. Till I got saved and met my wife. First person I ever met. And I'm not going to lie and say I was just a couple months saved. So I'm not going to lie and say, you know, I, I was two months old in the Lord and I was just strong in the Lord. I, I will not have sex with this woman. I wasn't there yet. I wanted to do the right thing, but I guarantee you if she had not been the kind of woman that she was, I, that we would have sinned. I'm not, I'm, I would be lying if I said I wasn't there yet. Um, but as I look back on how it transpired, I thank God for her commitment to the Lord and, you know, where she was at. And I did get on board. I realized that, OK, well, <laughs> this is this is what I desire, you know, in a wife and whatnot. Um, but I realized it was the first time in my life that I actually fell in love with a, a person. I actually began to really enjoy her, her, just who she was, who she was as a person. I got to know her. We hung out. I hung out. I wasn't hanging out with her body parts. I was hanging out with her. Um, so I, I got to know her. And now, you know, 17 years in, when I look at her face, I, I like her. Now we get to do all the other stuff, too. You know, bless God. But I actually like her. And I don't think I've ever liked somebody just like I, you know, I, I thought I did. But, uh, it, you know, just didn't really stick. So, again, I encourage us to do it God's way. Last bit on that. Um, I share this with couples that are in premarital counseling, that one way in which couples that are planning to be married sabotage their own selves is when you're especially if you're, if you're a Christian couple, this applies. If you're a Christian couple and you're fornicating before you get married. This is what you're kind of establishing your relationship. Your spouse knows that this man or this woman, they don't really fear God. It's demonstrated in the fact that y'all are fornicating together. So when you guys get married and, and, and then there's insecurities, there's like, well, where are you at? Who, who are you with? It's like, man, I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm over here by myself. What, you know, it's like, where does that come from? It comes from them saying, I, I know you don't really fear God because you was doing that with me. But you did that to yourself. You, you like sabotage your own marriage by not walking in integrity and purity in your courtship time. So um, as you walk in integrity and, 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 you, and, and spiritual unity in courtship, uh, it actually strengthens a marriage down the line where someone can look at their spouse and say, I know that we were weak. I know that we desired, but uh, we held out for God's glory. And there's a respect that you can't go back and make that. You just have it or you don't. So um, for those things. So these two got together. They 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 got married. They came together and it said the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Verse 14. Then the women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative and may his name be famous in Israel. And again, they're just speaking blessings over Naomi. Now, Ruth is there's been redemption for Ruth. Ruth was in Moab. Ruth lost her husband. Ruth lost everything. She came to the Lord as she came to Bethlehem, Judah. And now she done got all hooked up. She got a man. She got a baby. I mean, life is great. Things are great. Now, Naomi. Naomi went with her husband Elimelech to Moab and she lost him and she lost both of her sons and she's had great grief and great hurt and one daughter-in-law stayed, Orpah, and she comes back with Ruth and as she comes back with Ruth, this relationship with Boaz comes, now she's getting ready to be blessed. It was her husband 
Elimelech. He's going to raise up a name for her. Now, Naomi have no kids. She's beyond the age of being able to, to, to go forth and have kids. Um, and what is the blessing of old age? Um, I, I believe it's grandkids. Um, anybody, I just, when I see grandparents, I be seeing people, I just, I look at it, they just, they just, they just, I don't know if I see love like that. You see grandparents with grandbabies and it's just, they're just happy people. You're my grandbaby. They just give them whatever they want, do whatever they can do, whatever. So, um, you know, Naomi came back empty. I don't have no sons. I'm not gonna have no grandkids, but she's getting ready to, I mean, now she got, she got, she got daughter-in-law, Ruth. They got the hookup with Boaz. Baby's coming now. She's actually going to get to raise this. It's, it's going to be as like it's her child. She's going to get to raise it. Um, we'll see as we keep going. It says, um, verse uh, 15, may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for uh, for you, daughter. In, I'm sorry, of old age for your daughter in law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons has borne him. So she says, you know what, may, may this may this relationship, may, may he be to you a restorer of life, a nourisher of your old age. And she, they say about her daughter-in-law, she says, she's better than you than seven sons. Seven in the Bible is the number of completion. Um, seven sons could do a lot for a mom. They're saying, look, she, this, the love that Ruth has is better than seven sons. I mean, she got you. She, she came and she's taking care of you. She have committed to you. She said, to the day you die, she will be with you. She's going to live with you. You're going to live with her. And you're about to live real nice because you're with Boaz now. So Naomi is covered. She's taken care of. Got a brand new baby. And... It's going to be a blessing for everybody. God's even redeeming for Naomi all that had been lost. And then it says in verse 16, then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. So I had to look into that a little bit. I was like, hmm. So she's going to get to nurse her own grandchild uh, or, her, you know, she's going to get to in a sense, he'll be like her child. I'm sure that Boaz and Ruth are going to raise him, but she's going to have a very special relationship with his child. Um, I was looking into this because, you know, uh, to nurse a child, you know, the, the way a woman's body is set up, everybody here already knows it, but I'm just going to go through it. Um, if when a woman has a baby, then, the, then, then, then all the processes start happening for a woman to be able to make milk and nurse a baby. So after you stop nursing babies, you stop having, you know, milk to nurse a baby um, or whatever. So I was first looking, saying, well, how is she going <laughs> to been a long time <laughs> since she had a baby? Um, and I don't to my knowledge, you can't just turn that back on when you get ready. And so um, I do know that it was a custom at this time for some women served as what they call a wet nurse. And so they just kept that going um, and continued to, uh, to to nurse other people's kids. And it's not common in our culture. Uh, today, if a woman has a baby, you're not going to give it to someone. Would you nurse my baby for me? You know, we don't do that. But in that culture, it was a, it was not an uncommon thing for there to be a woman that served as a wet nurse where she just taking other people's babies and, and nursing them and feeding them. And um, so strange for us, but it was a commonplace here um, says that Naomi took this child, laid him on her bosom and she became nurse to him. Again, I, I, we don't really have a full explanation. The only way I can see that happening or working is if she had somehow continued to just had never let it, you know, dry up. So um, don't really have more to say or more information on it. Uh, it was just it was interesting. I, I talked to my wife. I'm like, you know, is it possible? Can, can you just make it come back? <laughs> you know, so I don't know. Um, but she did because the Bible says she became a, a nurse to him. Um, and she laid him on her bosom. So we know what that means. Verse 17. Also, the neighbor women gave him a name saying, 
There's a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. Um, he is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Um, here we see more redemption for them. Um, the, uh, this, this, the son they have named Obed, uh, naming servant. Um, he's the father of Jesse, who ends up being the father of David. Uh, we know that David is in the lineage of Christ. If you look at the, the genealogy of Christ in Matthew chapter one, you'll see their names there. And so now um, they're going to be connected to, to, to the lineage, to, to the lineage of Jesus Christ through this child that's born right here. Um, for you guys that know the story of, of Jesus and when he was born, um, where was Jesus born at, you guys? Bethlehem. How come they, they weren't in Bethlehem? They weren't living in Bethlehem. They had to go back to Bethlehem. Remember, there was a census and they had to go and be numbered. They had to go back to your hometown and be numbered. Well, this is why Jesus' parents had to take him back to Bethlehem. Um, this, this was hometown. This is where they had to go and be numbered. This is where they had to go and do their business. And that's how he ended up being born there in Bethlehem. And so, but as I look at this, I just see what, what, what redemption. Um, God has taken just a horrific scenario for Naomi and Ruth. For Naomi who lost a husband and sons. For Ruth who, you know, met this young man and married him and he died. Um, and as I look at what God has done, um, all that's been redeemed. Um, you know, they have joy again. They've got purpose again. Naomi's been pouring into Ruth. Ruth's been serving her mother-in-law. Ruth has a new marriage. They got a, now a new baby. Naomi gets to nurse this baby. I just, I look at this right here and I just see this picture of fullness. And if you guys remember when Naomi came back, what did she say? She said, I, I, went, I left out full, but I'm coming back empty, bitter. I lost everything. But I'm looking at it now and saying, look at how it's come full circle. Now they've got a family again. Now they got uh, uh, sustenance. Now they have a place to live. Now they're the things that were taken away have been restored. Things have been redeemed. They've been brought back around. And I just want to point out, I know I hit it up earlier, but where did it begin? Where did, where did the turnaround begin? It began when Naomi came back home and came back to the Lord and began when Ruth came to the Lord. The turnaround began spiritually for them when they came to the Lord or came back to the Lord. And the last few verses here, 18 to 21. Now, this is the genealogy of Perez. Perez begot Hezron. Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Aminadab. Aminadab begot Nashon. And Nashon begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz. Boaz begot Obed. And Obed begot Jesse. And Jesse begot David. Um, they aren't all laid out here. We don't have every single name, but we have all the names that are important. Most genealogies serve a point. Um, there'll be women left out. There'll be things left out. But they, 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 they give us a lineage. They give us a line to point us to the people that were important to get us all the way down to Jesus, to the Messiah. And so now these people that have seen the loss, have lost everything at a point, um, are brought into a very special place in, in God's kingdom, in God's economy, um, even in the genealogy, which would bring forth the Messiah ultimately. And um, as we wrap this up, I, I would point out this um, again, that everything seemed to turn around when they turned around. It was when Naomi came, when Naomi said, I, I'm going back home. I heard, I heard there's, a, there's harvest time. I heard there's food at home. I'm going to go back home. I'm going to go back where I belong. Um, when Ruth said, your God is going to be my God, it was that declaration, that decision, and following through with that decision that turned everything around. And so I would say to anybody here that's in a place where things need to turn around, 
you have a perfect example in front of you of where that begins. Um, rather, you're someone that needs to, you need to turn around. You need to come to the Lord. That's where the turnaround needs to begin. Then you would be invited today that you would turn to the Lord, that you would find goodness, that you would see how good the Lord would be to you, that you would turn to him. Um, or like Naomi, who needed to come back. Maybe you've walked with the Lord. Maybe you've known him, but maybe you've walked away. You need to, you need to come back. And I'm not saying come back to the Lord or come to the Lord so he'll bless you. Um, I'm saying come to the Lord because we all have a great need. Um, as we look at this story of redemption and there are things redeemed here, the redemption that we're in need of is greater than this. Um, yeah, redeeming them from loss of life, loss of Elimelech's name, loss of children, um, loss of spouses. That's uh, important in a, in a human sense. Um, that would be meaningful and important, and I wouldn't devalue that in any way. But the redemption that we need is greater. Right. I told you guys earlier, if we don't belong to the Lord, if we haven't been redeemed by God, we belong to the devil. It's the devil. It's Satan who God purchases you out of possession from. And so for anyone to hear with the here to say, you know, I haven't really I'm, I'm, I'm not really there yet. I haven't really made Jesus Lord of my life. Um, that redemption is critical that God wants to draw you to himself. God wants to re- redeem you. He wants to he wants to purchase you to himself. And. Whatever it is that he will do with your life from that point, it, 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 it can't begin till then. What God desires to do in the life of someone that comes to him, it can't begin till you come to him. Um, the things that God wanted to do in my life could not begin until I gave my life to him. Um, it wasn't his yet. And yeah, God is sovereign, but God has given you free will. And so until you give your life to him, then it doesn't belong to him. He can't do with your life what he would do. So in, in essence, your life is wasting away until you give your life to Christ. It's just kind of wasting your opportunities are wasting, your years are wasting, your, it's just wasting. Everything outside of Christ is a waste. It's been wasting. And so maybe you've been wasting long enough. And today you need to say, you know what, God, I, I, I give up. It's like a waste of my life, wasting my years, wasting my opportunities, wasting my talents, wasting my gifts. It's like a wasting away. Give my life to you. Worse than wasting away is this, even worse. Um, we all will meet God one day. And it's pretty clear that this is how it goes, that it's appointed to man. Hebrews 9, 27 wants to die. And after this, the judgment, everybody here is going to give an account to God for one thing, one thing, what you did with Jesus. It'll be inexcusable when we stand before God. If you've rejected Jesus, if Ruth had said to Boaz, I'm good. I don't want this relationship. I don't like you. I'm not interested. She had full right to do so. It would have been foolish but she could have done it. And she would have just lost out on all the blessing that she received. So too, you have that option. You can say, God, I don't want you. And understand, until you say yes to the Lord, what you have said to him is, I don't want you. I don't want you to be the Lord over my life. I don't want you to tell me what to do. I don't want to surrender to you. Um, and the, the, the downside is you also have rejected his forgiveness, his salvation, his redemptive power in your life. So I'm inviting people to consider where you stand with him. Um, if you're redeemed, you know it. And as those that have been redeemed, those that have been purchased by his blood, uh, we should be a humble, a thankful, a worshipful people. What God has done for us, bought me out of the grips of Satan, bought me out of bondage, bought me out of a a life of emptiness and and recklessness and brought me to himself. Um, Should be humble, um, thankful, worshipful people. And for those that would say, you know what, I don't don't know that I'm there yet, but I want it. Um, I, I beg you to understand that he's not turning anybody down. 
Jesus isn't telling anybody, no. Anybody that says, Lord, redeem me. Would you purchase me? Would you take me? He's taking all. all. If you want him, he wanted you first. He already wanted you. You've been listening to Pastor Bill Buffington on A Transforming Word, a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. We have two services every Sunday at 9 and 11 or Wednesday evening at 7, and we would love to meet you. If you can't make it, no problem. We stream our services on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook Live. You never need to miss a message, but if you do, you can always find it on YouTube. There is a link on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. That's calvaryinglewood.org. There, under the Media tab, you'll find links to more messages as well as our mobile app. Pastor Bill has been working his way through the Book of Ruth, a story of faithfulness and reward. Ruth remained faithful to her mother-in-law, doing everything she was asked, even trading her own gods and people for the God of Israel and a new home. Her journey included marriage, being widowed, moving to a new country, abject poverty, and marriage again to a wealthy landowner. Through it all, she remained constant and faithful, and she was rewarded. She became the great-grandmother of the King of Israel, King David. Just like Ruth, just like Ruth, you have opportunities in front of you every day. No matter what circumstances life throws at you, you have a choice. You can choose faithfulness and obedience, or you can choose to go your own way. What will you choose today? Well, we're out of time for today. We love spending this time with you digging into the book of Ruth. Join us next time for more right here on The Transforming Word.